And a very good morning, everyone. It's Oliver Callan here once again until 10 o'clock this morning. It is Tuesday now. It is the first day of August 2023. The 5151, that's the text. And from the North Text Studio, then your message to 80889. And, well, it's it's been a, a summer of tragedies, really. And we're reeling once again this morning over the deaths of uh, more of our young people. And our hearts go out to those families in Clonus, in Monaghan, and to those who will hopefully recover from their injuries. Um, a Deb's night of joy turned into devastating sadness. And, um, well, you know, it's a, it's a particularly cruel misfortune that isn't easy to process. And what else can you say, really? It gets harder and harder to express your feelings around uh, these losses. But to the families up on that part of Monaghan, you're in their minds today. Uh, the people of Clonus are a close bunch and they'll be out in force to care for everyone affected. So so please take care. And that, that bad news is in the papers today. And uh, the newspapers are also covering the sharply contrasting happiness of the dubs celebrating in Smithfield over All-Ireland number 31 and, and highlighting, I think, how sport is, is an essential ingredient in our lives. Coping with all the misfortunes and difficulties really is the antidote to times like these. And delight in Dublin, but unfortunately the girls in Green's World Cup, it is ending in disarray. And the ugliness of that dispute between coach and captain is across the papers as well. A bit triggering for us, so let's hope that it, it, it doesn't end up like another World Cup over 20 years ago abroad. Um, so I hope they patch up um, and, and see eye to eye because the, the girls in green have had an unbelievable um, couple of months there. And it's almost, for, you forget in times like these the, the enormous triumph of actually getting to the World Cup. And the, you could see it from the difficulty of the men's team trying to get to an international tournament. So um, as I say, we need sport. We need sport as, as the therapy. And we could do with good news to cheer us up around the place. And there are a few bright spots out there. I mean, looking at the evening echo, and there's a man from Bishopstown in Cork City. Vincent O'Reardon is his name and he's produced a stunning floral tribute. It's at his own expense and uh, at his own labour as well. It's outside Cork University Hospital and he's dedicated to those fighting addiction. And it's a, it's a lovely story because there's a kind of a long-term uh, investment of support for his community. So he planted the flowers in May and they're only now just coming out into full bloom. And they, there's a picture in the Echo I'm looking at. And it's a, it's a gorgeous, long tribute along a wall, uh, along the pedestrian entrance to the Cork University Hospital, which uh, the patients and the doctors and the nurses are passing every day. And it gives them all a lift as they go in. And the Echo tells this morning that Vincent's been sober for 13 years. And so this tribute is uh, to the AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and everyone working in addiction services in Cork, such as Graw, Dorcas and Mishnock. So Bulabus to Vincent O'Reardon and uh, Martin Mongan brings us that story in The Echo. Now, um, this might sound like not good news, but there is a, there, I'll come to the good news element of this or why I think it is. Because the Irish Times tells us this morning that July, now complete, was Ireland's wettest month on record. On, since records began, 215% of expected rainfall, the average rainfall for July, uh, fell in July 2023. It broke the record that was previously set only in 2009. So you're kind of thinking, well, maybe this record may not stand very long. And um, the data, the expected rainfall uh, was supposed, well, it was, oh, yeah, it was more than double, wasn't it? So this is on all the weather stations, totted up. But the reason I'm kind of saying it might, I'm putting it down as good news because July is now behind us, okay? So August really owes us. Surely there'll be a good spell. And failing that, September, uh, which will we take a sunny October at this stage. 
And um, someone, Richie Craven here, as he's tweeting, says, the only other place I've seen rain so consistently than Ireland in July 2023 is Gotham City. And now I understand why so many of the citizens turned to circus-themed crime. <laughs> That's the kind of thing we need. I, I think of Angela's Ashes when I see a miserable month in Ireland and the, the great Alan Parker film. But uh, once people pointed out that it seemed to rain in almost every scene, that's all I remember about the whole film now, despite everything else being good. Now, the question here I'm going to pose is, have we finally reached peak podcast? Like, um, who, almost everybody has a podcast, but I didn't quite see this turn happening. In Callan's Kicks, fictional version of reality, if you will, uh, we have Leo's podcast, because it just seemed like Leo with the type of person who might put out a podcast. Uh, but in reality, it is Thornishta Michal Martin who has launched a new podcast. I mean, it's his podcast. He is the host and he interviews people. And this is going to go on for the month of August and September. And uh, some of it probably recorded. It's called In Conversation. How original is you? Because every podcast just seems to be famous person interviewing famous person. Uh, going on too long and badly edited and so on. Uh, but while Leo Vradker is kind of laying low, it's Michal Martin is out. This could be a risk if he's obviously feeling too confident about his popularity. Uh, so he's launched the podcast. He was interviewing Dr. Mark Henry, who uh, has written An Optimist Guide to Ireland. So it, basically he, he's, he, he talks about how good things are in Ireland. So you can imagine Michal Martin latching onto this and going, tell us how ex- everything is excellent and so on. Uh, although he did mention some uncomfortable truths about the housing crisis. So uh, watch out for that podcast as you will. But this is reality. Um, even though the, the comical version was Leo hosting his own podcast because that just seemed more appropriate. Um, but it but is in reality. Now, this is also a good news story. Okay, This is one about 11 women in India who felt that luck was never particularly on their side because they're, they're a bunch, bunch of friends who work together, some of them in their 20s, some of them are over 70, struggling to meet, make ends meet. They earn a tiny salary because what they do, they're, they're sanitation workers. In other words, they collect and they separate all the rubbish uh, in their town, which is in the South Indian state of Kerala. And so they decided, well, you know what, we'll get a lotto ticket because you, you have to dare to dream every now and again. And the lotto ticket costs them the equivalent of a full day's wages, about three euro, let's say. And they, they came together, it was 250 rupees, about three quid, and they won the jackpot. Uh, they found out they won the, the monsoon bumper prize in India, 1.2 million pounds or 100 million rupees. So, you know, 250 to buy the ticket is a day's wages. And they won 100 million rupees. And so they have talked about their joy. This is, this is like, this has got movie written all over it, hasn't it? These 11 uh, lowly workers, as they would have been regarded. And so they, they, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to build homes, pay off their debts, put their children through school. But they've also said they're going to continue working as uh, workers um, collecting and, and separating the rubbish. Uh, the one woman here, Radha, she's 49. I'm in shock. We had to check with multiple people to make sure we'd won. We still couldn't believe it. We all come from very poor families. We've lots of debts, lots of liabilities. Another one, uh, Cheramil Baby, she's 62, said the money's going to be enabled her to rebuild her house that was washed away in the floods that devastated Kerala in 2018. And a 49-year-old Lakshmi spoke of her relief of having money to pay for her daughter's schooling. Another one said she had to, she had surgery, her daughter needed surgery and she's finally going to be able to pay for it. I mean, this story has a bit of everything in it. And there's a 72-year-old, Kutu Malu. She's also among the winners. She said she hadn't even enough money to contribute um, her share of the price of the ticket, which was about 30 cent. Uh, but others in the group came together and helped her out with half of it. And then they all agreed that they get an equal share if we won anything. So there you go. It's a story that has all sorts of 
good vibes, which I feel we need. And uh, it comes, oh, it's just a, a joyful, a joyful ending there for this, the sanitation workers in Kerala in South East India. Now, um, speaking of sport again, uh, we know that BBC Two, they, they showed the first time ever, they showed the hurling final and they showed the All Ireland football final. And it's the first time they've ever broadcast this live across uh, Britain on terrestrial television and on the iPlayer and so on. And it seems to have worked very well because nearly a million people uh, in Britain watched the All Ireland final on the BBC with the pundits Paul Meskell and Dario Breen and Patrick Keelty and Adrian Dunbar obviously attracted uh, the, the fans in there. So about 800,000 people watched it on BBC Two. Two. And Orti informs us that there was also a huge, uh, a huge increase in the viewers here in Orti, 971,000, which is 100,000 up on last year's final. I watched it on Orti 2 and another nearly 200,000 streams where people watching it on the Orti player. So this altogether makes the Dublin Kerry final on Sunday possibly the most watched All-Ireland final ever. Because if you tot it up on just the television networks alone, you've got 1.8 million people and it goes well over 2 million when you go to the online version. So that that was obviously a successful endeavour for the BBC and I'm sure they will be continuing it. Um, the, the Hollywood strike continues on and various stars are popping up uh, to support it, as we know. And Succession's Brian Cox is among them. We know about this, the, the strike. If you're uninitiated in this whole thing, it's about artificial intelligence and the fact that the big studios are not saying, are not dedicating to not using AI to replace writers and to replace the actors, particularly the background actors who only get paid, you know, for, for walking on and having the odd line here and there. Uh, they're kind of thinking, well, this would be a lot cheaper now if we can have, we can create our crowds and we can create the, the walk-on speaking parts even, the, uh, the day jobs, as they call them, for some of the actors uh, with AI. And Brian Cox is among the people saying, no, this is, we should not do this. And he, he speaks quite passionately about it. I think it's worth listening to what he's got to say. Um, Particularly, he's a man with consistently held views and values. And here's a clip from an interview around the Hollywood actors and writers strikes. There have to be some very strict rules about how we use AI. They want to do what they like and we have to stop them. We have to protect ourselves so that we are not exploited. And also bigger than that is the deterioration of standard of work. We'll get to an area, I think, where we are feeding people stuff and drama at a level which is ridiculously stupid, you know. And that's how it comes. That's the danger of AI. It regresses because it doesn't tell the truth anymore. And that's what we do when we stand on the stage. We tell the truth. Shakespeare says it. We hold the mirror up to nature. And it's a very simple adage. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. That's what the work is. In many ways, that's why I'm a very strong believer that the theatre and cinema has extraordinary dimensions to them because it's all about the human experience. That's the great thing about the audience. The audience don't want it either. They want to see what the truth is. They want to see what... He has an unbelievable voice, doesn't he? You could listen to that all day. He's got a, a gorgeous, mellifluous timbre to his voice. And uh, you can see he's a man with, with passion and he, he lends himself very, easy, very easily to a union-led strike. And uh, you can kind of tell why he chooses to play grotesque characters like Logan Roy, uh, Prince of Capitalism and uh, Hannibal Lecter uh, in an earlier thing. Now, so some news just in, in the books world. The Booker Prize, of course, uh, probably the most prestigious prize for authors in the world. And they've announced their 13 long-listed books um, exploring the universal and topical themes. And they've just announced this and there are four Irish writers on the list. So who are the four Irish writers 
on the Booker Prize 2023 long list out of the 13. Four. That's a nice big title, uh, big total. Old God's Time, that's Sebastian Barry's uh, novel. How to Build a Boat, Elaine Feeney. Prophet Song by Paul Lynch. And a book we just mentioned the other day, The Bee Sting, Paul Murray, which is doing great business and it's about a kind of dysfunctional Irish family and Sebastian Barry's Old God's Time. It follows up, doesn't it, from his previous um, his previous novels uh, set out in the in the deep west. So that is good news. In the in, uh, That's exciting news. The Booker Prize winner will be announced on the 26th of November when it came to the shortlist last year. Uh, Claire Keegan made it to the shortlist and it was pipped at the post, unfortunately, but um, it has done small things like these. Has done a ama- It didn't knock it in the slightest. The text 51551. Uh, somebody asking, oh, this is in relation to the weather, which of course is our dominant theme of the summer. What chance do we have of seeing the much-touted supermoon given the wettest monsoon-like July on record? Pretty slim at at best, you'd imagine, says John. No, you're not getting my hope for August. We're into August now. It's going to be fine. Very clear skies in Dublin this morning. It is. It's fairly wretchedly cold. Uh, But there are glimmers uh, around half past, roughly half nine to half ten. Look out for the moon. And uh, tonight in particular and tomorrow night because it is lunacy now. Summer has entered its final flirt. I noticed the horse chestnuts are actually out. It's nearly blackberry season. I saw two youngsters pulling blackberries off a briar in Dunleary, of all places, the other day. Uh, the last of the barley has been cut and, and the last lazy month of the year has begun. The first day of Lunasa. And uh, it is a pagan. It's an ancient Celtic feast, of course. What does it say here? Yes, in practice, Lunasa is a celebration of first fruits. So it literally is about uh, the berries growing on the trees and the beginning of harvest season. It's one of the four Celtic cross-quarter days, the primary holidays of the ancient Celts. The other ones, of course, being Samhain, uh, Imbolc and Baltina which we still celebrate in various ways. In Bullock, not, not so much, but there's a few fires on hills and things like that. And uh, to quote from the historian Peter Beresford Ellis's definition, Lunasa was basically an agrarian feast in honour of the harvesting of crops. So early records say the festival was celebrated for about two weeks. Uh, Christianity took over the feast. They called it Lammas, the Feast of the First Fruits. And the name survives in the modern Irish as Lunasa for the name of the month of August. And in Scottish Gaelic, it's also there as well. Lunasad is still the name of the Lammas Festival. And they have something called Bannock Bread, which they have. It's a kind of version of soda bread. Obviously, ours is, is better, let's face it. And, um, and one of the things they used to do, the pagans, is they got married in the month of August. And it remains the most popular month for Irish people to get married. This coming weekend is always the number one at a weekend for weddings, the August bank holiday and tying the knot, which is that uh, Celtic uh, festival thing. Some people literally do that at their weddings, bind their hands together. Now to something far more important, uh, Cardi B story. Remember we were chatting about Cardi B and people throwing things at um, stars on the stage and then Cardi B reacted by flinging her microphone. Ill-advised, it has to be said, because now a concert goer has filed a police report after Cardi B's Las Vegas show. And there's a twist to this tale because apparently videos have emerged. What happened, you see, is that someone threw drink over Cardi B while she's performing and she angrily flung back her microphone. And um, it turns out there, there are videos now going about that, that very concert. Cardi B and her DJ are seen asking the crowd to please splash her with water due to the heat. It's unclear whether this happened before or after the microphone incident, but we will bring you updates on this story as we get it. But the police report has been filed. We don't know if it's from the person. Well, it's probably from the person struck by the microphone. But did they throw the drink? This could go on. There's a podcast in it. Could Michal Martin do this one? That would be that would be a podcast I'd listen to Michal Martin. 
going deep dive into the Cardi B uh, issue. No, 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 we're looking at the timestamp at the video, the video uh, where someone flung flung the drink at her, and she asked people to throw water on her. Very, 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 very ill advised. Um, anyway. Oh, speaking of court news, uh, uh, apparently Killian Murphy is now one of the favourites to take over the role of the next James Bond after his performance in Oppenheimer. The uh, bookies have slashed his odds over the weekend and he's now one of the top five tipped to play Bond after Daniel Craig, the kick-ass star Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Remember, he played a young John Lennon in a film. Uh, he's number one, t- followed by Superman star Henry Cavill. He's got the jawline, doesn't he? British actor Papa Isidou, who you might have seen in Gangs of London, and Happy Valley star James Norton, who's kind of the posh one, a bit of an obvious choice. Uh, but this whole thing does feel like marketing for bookies, you know. And given how Killian Murphy apparently dislikes his fame as it is, I, c- I can't see him, but it's unlikely he'd want to play James Bond and bring all that hassle into his life. No, he wants to do serious, proper acting and uh, get his few Oscars in and um, do really, really good stuff. Uh, Love Island has finally ended, and um, if you've been following that, Jess Harding and Sammy Root have won, and they beat the fan favourites uh, to win the 50,000 uh, prize. It's apparently a shock result. If this is your thing, you've been enjoying this for weeks on end, hasn't really gone through to the mainstream as much as previous seasons, let's face it. And I'm looking at a picture of them here um, in today's uh, Irish Daily Mail. They, and, uh, and they're, well, they look like every Love Island contestant winners ever. They, they look like they wax every two hours, bleach their teeth on the hour, eat a carrot a day between them and never cover more than 5% of their bodies in textiles shall we say zero crack I would imagine and on Instagram um, 80 hours a week that's that's kind of that's sort of the view that's all the kind of the, the, the Love Island oh yes and this also the, the, the only thing interesting in Love Island I think is the fact that they, they, they launched the trailer for the reboot of Big, Bro- Big Brother whether you like it or not it is coming back and it is happening again in October and people were very 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 triggered by the sound of, of Big Brother coming into their homes. This is the slightly creepy noughties Big Brother tune, wasn't it? And uh, it was good for a time when they had Nasty Nick. I think that was season one, 20 odd years ago. Ah, yeah, there you go. Big Brother, you're going to leave the... Are they going to bring him back, I wonder? Big Brother, you will leave the house. I'm bringing that fella back. It wouldn't be the same without him. I just, think, I just thought it ruined George Orwell for me for, for a while. That was just how, how nerdy I got to make Bright Brother. Anyway, we better get on with business this morning. 22 minutes past nine now. Uh, we have great guests coming in, standing by outside to come in and chat to us about not putting limitations on yourself despite the barricades that life might throw up at you. But in the meantime, let's cheer ourselves up. This is brand new from a fantastic Irish artist who's going to make waves. His album's coming out soon. He's called Moncrief. He's from Down by Waterford. Love somebody. It's a good message. I think it'll bring you up uh, a couple of... A couple of notches this morning. 51551 is the text. We'll get going. Oh, yeah, 
yeah, that's a hit and a half. That's uh, Moncrief, brand new from him. There's a new album coming and you can catch him live. I see here in Belfast in the Mandela Hall in December the 13th and he's in Limerick live at the Big Top on the 15th of December. So uh, he's one to watch, that young lad, Moncrief. Now, a lovely email in to the show this morning and they want to say a massive thank you to the person who handed in our, our listeners' phone and the Lewis drivers who went to great lengths to return their phone to me on the green line last night. They were weary from cheering the dubs home uh, left the phone on the Lewis. Imagine that after your day out and, 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 and braving the rain and everything. A week before our family holidays oh, and a long list of jobs to wrap up, I was facing certain doom. This is the feeling people get when they lose their phones. I chased down the tram. I chased the tram down in the car, kids in tow, but no joy at the last stop. And then the drivers worked over the radios, found the phone, transferred it among themselves uh, to meet me at my station. So three cheers for the small acts of kindness which happen every day and make this city so great. Up the dubs, says Helen, which is the, the counterpoint to all the bad news around Dublin at the moment. Uh, 51551, that's our text. Uh, Oliver, I saw the super moon last night. It was wonderful, says Pauline in Tullamore. God, I, you know, I, I remembered it. I went to bed early last night and... Uh, I was there thinking, oh, the supermoon is out. Will I get up and look out? You know, it's like literally half past nine. And I went, no, nah, I'm just enjoying this book too much. And uh, I, yeah. anyway, maybe tonight, maybe tonight. I'll let you know. Uh, someone says, could you imagine Hugh Mollis in the Big Brother house? This oh, yes, says D in Dublin 3 years. What a wonderful home. A lot of cameras and a lot of technology in the home. Do you think Hugh Wallace is one of those people who likes to talk until he runs out of breath? Uh, someone tells me that Kerala, Kerala, is pronounced Care Allah. Oh, okay. I learned something new every day. And Roisin is delighted there with uh, hearing Moncrief. Love Moncrief. Thank you for playing. You're very, very welcome, Roisin. We would be fellow, would be fellow fans. Uh, on the All Ireland final, senior footballer Desi Farrell, Dublin, is a psychiatric nurse. His aunt told me, and his ma is a Donegal woman. I love all of these little details that uh, take a couple of days to eke out. Uh, like Desi Farrell, the most important thing now is that um, his ma is from Donegal. That's the most important thing. Uh, but just the fact that the Dublin banished door and the amount of work that involves in that, uh, he's also um, a psychiatric nurse. He's just, it's, I, I love these facts that come out of Uncommon Lucas Grail. Now we have a wonderful story of hardship turning to triumph. Um, our guests this morning, our mother and daughter, we're going to be meeting them after these. Uh, there's some lovely messages in for Zoe there. Excellent uh, chat there with Zoe. Some love listening in. So good humoured indeed. And there's a there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot more mischief goes on there behind the scenes. I can tell you. Uh, great listening from Dunlavin in Wicklow here to Em and Zoe. I don't know if that's uh, if that's the home place of Wicklow, but it might well be. And we'll give you some more information. Sailing.ie forward slash inclusion for those inclusion games. Yeah, that's the thing I mentioned, uh, which I've done already indeed. Let's take some music. It's ten to ten of a Tuesday morning. If Oh, 
yes, I like that very much indeed. I've been listening to the Dandy Warhols a bit lately, but I think that's the best one. We used to be friends. Would you believe that is exactly 20 years old, that song? 2003. I remember it well. I was a young lad back then. I should know more of that. 51551, that is the text. Uh, good morning. Will you please let Zoe and her mum know that the 13th of August is Lefty's Day? Yes, we did let them know, just as they were sauntering out the door there. They were nearly co-producing the show at one stage. And Tony's texted in to tell us that six knots is the speed limit in the harbour. And Tony, um, Zoe Mulvey is actually contesting that at the moment. So you can you can bring it up with her. You know, <laughs> you can best to look trying to control her when she gets into that rib. Uh, it's a really nice feature this morning's show with Zoe and her mum gives everyone that feel good feeling. Good luck to them all, Kieran. And here, here, says you. Lots of lovely messages still coming in for Zoe and her mum there. And uh, what someone's asking, what's the book that kept you from the supermoon? Great news about the Booker Long list. I've read all four, even one that's not officially out yet and they're all truly superb writers. Congratulations to Elaine, Sebastian and the Pauls. It was Catherine Ryan Howard's new book actually and hopefully all going well we'll be talking to Catherine uh, this week um, and it's, uh, it's keeping me captivated at night even though it might be the source of some nightmares as well. And someone says I love the interview with Zoe I have a sister with special needs and so often people just don't really know how to speak to her without being patronising. Indeed she's often left out of conversations or questions about her are addressed to other more capable in inverted commas people in her presence and uh, she's very thankful to the way that Zoe and her mum came across and, and the great work that's been done by um, Irish Sailing and all the people we mentioned there. But that's all we've got time for today. Philip Boucher-Hayes is next. Back again tomorrow. Have a lovely day.